Welcome back to our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid, where we talk to researchers previously funded by Australian Rotary Health about their research findings. I'm Jessica Cooper, and today on episode 23, we'll be talking to Dr. Sean McLean from La Trobe University. Dr. McLean was awarded an Australian Rotary Health Lorraine and Bruce McKenzie PhD scholarship from 2013 to 2016 for her project called Sociocultural and Peer-Related Factors in Body Image in Adolescent Girls, Implications for Prevention. We'll be talking about this research in further detail today. From 2018 to 2019, Dr. McLean also received an ARH Mental Health Research Grant for the project Enhancing Social Media Literacy to Decrease Body Dissatisfaction, a randomised controlled trial. Dr. McLean is a senior research fellow at the Bouverie Centre in the Engaging Minds in Body Image and Eating Disorders research team. Her research focuses on sociocultural and individual factors that contribute to body dissatisfaction in children, adolescents and adults. A particular interest is the role of media literacy in protecting against the negative effects of exposure to appearance ideal images on body dissatisfaction. Dr. McLean's research interests also include weight bias, unhealthy weight control behaviours in males, and the effects of social media on body image. She is also highly experienced in school-based prevention and evaluation of programs to improve body dissatisfaction and well-being. Thank you for joining me, Sean, on today's podcast episode. How, how have you been going, especially with all the restrictions in Victoria at the moment? <laughs> Uh, thanks very much for asking, Jessica. It has been a long haul, certainly getting a bit obsessive about the numbers, but they're really you know, moving in the right direction. So hoping that yeah. things are looking up in coming yeah, months. Yeah, there's a, hopefully a light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully things absolutely. start opening up again. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I know just recently you've had a, a paper published in the Body Image Journal called Impact of Viewing Body Image Health Promotion Videos in Adult Men and Women, Comparison of Narrative and Informational Approaches. Um, so this study wasn't quite part of your PhD, but it was conducted at, at a time when you were receiving funding support from Australian Rotary Health. Um, so I guess to start off, um, would you like to tell us a bit about the aims of this study? Yeah, absolutely. It was really great to have that um, support to do this extra study in, in an area that's really been underexplored. So I'm sure many people would be familiar with health promotion videos that are aiming to engage people in greater awareness of various issues or to change behaviours. And there have been some of those around for body image, but really they don't get evaluated. So we don't actually get to understand whether they do increase awareness of body dissatisfaction but importantly, we also don't get to understand whether they might have any negative effects. So we definitely want people to have an increased awareness that body dissatisfaction is a serious health issue. But at the same time, we don't want them to, um, to feel worse themselves about their bodies. So it's really important to... Um, to do the research to understand if that's the case. So um, we were able to... Um, to do some research with um, some health promotion videos 
you know, like the kind that focus on other sorts of um, health campaigns and to understand what the effects are. Yeah, well, that sounds like a, a very interesting study. Um, I, I know that, um, I guess, yes, yeah, as, as well, like what, what came out of that? So we were able to um, show participants some different kind of videos. So they watched two kinds of videos. One was what you might call like a, a mini documentary. So they looked at experts presenting some information on body image and the other type was a fictional um, depiction of somebody experiencing some body image troubles and they were paired um, with a, what we call a call to action so the actress from the um, the fictional video standing up and saying you know have a think about body dissatisfaction take it seriously get involved um, and so we we're able to compare how people felt about themselves before and after watching the videos and what they thought about body image as an issue before and after watching the videos. It was really pleasing to show that actually they did have a positive effect um, watching the videos, that people um, thought after watching the videos that body image was a more serious issue than they had um, at the start. And really importantly that they actually felt better about their body image after watching the videos. So there was some concern that all this talk about body dissatisfaction and showing some um, media images might have contributed to some concerns in people. But overall, we found that people had lower um, shape and weight dissatisfaction and lower muscularity dissatisfaction. So it was really terrific that we could um, do this study and have these positive findings and show that there are some campaigns that can be really helpful to put either in public health campaigns more broadly or perhaps in prevention and early intervention programs. Yeah, well, yeah, that's such a great outcome. And um, I, I guess today is, you know, something different for our podcast audience. Um, we, we've got one of the videos um, that, that we used in the study and it, that was produced by Big Picture Storytelling. And, you, and yeah, as, as you said, it was used as part of the study. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll just um, I'll play that video now and, and people can, can see what, what, what happened during that participation. Hey, how was your day today? Good. Good. Look at those little feet. What'd you do? I'm running. Running. Oh, very good. After Miss Harris said guy, I just took off. My legs just went faster and faster and I won back heaps, Mummy. Does that mean they're the favourite part of your body, mate? Yes. Billy said I've got chicken legs. Do you think I've got chicken legs, Mummy? I think that your legs are just perfect the way they are. Mummy, what's your favourite part of your body? Um, well, we all <clears throat> have parts that we, that we like and parts that we don't like, don't we? Yeah, but what's the favourite part of your body? I, well, you know what? I, uh, look, I would swap your perfect little chicken legs for my legs any day of the week. I mean, if you can even call them that, they're um, these two weirdly shaped things that have been the bane of my existence since puberty. I mean, they don't go brown, they don't tone up, and they don't get smaller no matter how little I eat. And you know how much Mummy loves food, yeah? I love food, but there have been times in my life where I haven't really eaten anything. Besides lemons. Just lemons, Mummy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, try that for 10 days and see how you feel. <laughs> it's just bullshit. And you know what else is bullshit? Me's mum, with her short shorts on Sports Carnival Day, going on about how she needs to lose five kilos before their trip to Bali because she's worried about cellulite. I mean, I've had cellulite since I was 12. Do you have any idea how that feels, Max? No. 
No, 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 you don't. So if Mia's mum needs to lose five kilos to get rid of her non-existent cellulite, then how many kilos do I need to lose to be part of the short, short sports carnival day mother's club? You know, I'm still trying to lose my baby weight. And don't even get me started on stretch marks. I just, I hate my tummy now. I hate it. Gone are the days of wearing a bikini. I have to wear a one piece while still trying to find creative ways of covering up my thunder thighs. I mean, I might as well just wear a f***ing moo. You know, I haven't... I only go to the beach because of you. I don't even like the beach. I hate the beach. I hate pools. I hate baths. I hate showers. I hate water. I hate f***ing barley! Yeah, but what's the favourite part of your body? <laughs> Do you know what? Um, you know, I, I love my tummy the most. I, I love it because it's it's the part of my body that reminds me of you because that's where you came from. Yes, Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy, how did I get in your tummy? Yeah, that that video. It's yeah. It's uh, I guess it's very relatable for a lot of people and. Um, yeah, definitely, yeah, shows a message that, yeah, lots of people aren't happy with their body. So, you know, a study like this is just, it's so important, you know, to, to try and raise that awareness of, you know, maybe trying to think about your body in a different way and, you know, what it can do for you rather than, you know, how it looks and, yeah. We'll, Absolutely. So, and I, I think you've picked up, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I think you picked up on a really important point of the video that it's not just about, talking or presenting the kind of downsides of body dissatisfaction. It's showing what it is really, but also showing, I guess, a solution out of it as well and wanting to leave people with that solution of thinking about what their body can do, which is really important. Yeah. So I guess were they some of the main messages that you were trying to convey to, to the participants in the study that, yeah. that Yes. So interestingly, um, the, the videos weren't uh, made just for the study. They were made for a, a health promotion effort, but I was involved in, in the scripting of the video and, and checking that those messages did occur because we know in health promotion, you don't want to just leave people with the, the negative effects of a health issue. You do need to give them somewhere to go with that and, and, um, and, and how to resolve that issue. So it was really important to finish on that note of how can you turn around those thoughts or conversations you're having with yourself or the way that you're comparing yourself and think a bit differently about your body image. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. And I guess, yeah, having those, those videos, you know, that visual um, you know, reminding you, like, you know, to, to think a different way, I guess, yeah, that's, that's so important. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess um, going back a bit further as well, you finished your PhD in 2016 called um, Sociocultural and Individual Factors that Contribute to Body Dissatisfaction in Children, Adolescents and Adults. Um, did you want to talk us through some of the reasoning behind conducting a project like this and, and what it involved? Uh, yeah, I, I won't talk you through it all because it was definitely a, a long process, but I was really lucky to, to do my PhD in a supportive environment at La Trobe Uni with my supervisors, Susan Paxton and Eleanor Worthon. And so it really started from the perspective of wanting to understand more about what happens when people do look at media images and how that affects their body image and particularly what happens when they compare themselves with those images. Um, but I also wanted to understand what might be protective. So when we compare, we, we see media images of um, very attractive looking 
people and compare ourselves with those images and, and maybe find ourselves wanting, um, then we do feel, feel poorly about our body image. But I wanted to know what could protect from that negative effect. So that led me to thinking about media literacy, which had been used a little in prevention programs for body dissatisfaction, but hadn't really been understood very well. So I delved into that um, quite a lot. And, and media literacy is basically about being able to think critically about media, understanding what might be false in media or what might be true or what are the intentions of the people who present the media and whether they're trying to get you to do something or think a certain way or um, have a certain attitude about, about something. So does that make a difference for people uh, if they're looking at, at media images? And it's really relevant for body dissatisfaction because a lot of media does show those unrealistic appearance ideals and you know most of us can't live up to those in real life because we're all just a variety of people who look different ways but also when those media images are edited and manipulated to such a high extent you know nobody looks like those images do even the models themselves so I wanted to know if um, young girls had those skills to be critical about media whether that might protect them against the effects of viewing media images and also whether we could increase those skills in young people to to help them feel better about their bodies yeah that's so important especially with yeah with social media and you know just scrolling through and seeing so many images of these you know, people who are just portraying the best part of themselves and the, the highlight reel of their lives. So, yeah, um, having, Absolutely. Those, having those skills would just, yeah, it's, it would be so important, especially for, for young girls as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess, um, did you find anything interesting um, from this PhD project, any helpful knowledge about the, the body image space today? Yeah, I, um Certainly all research is incremental and um, there are sometimes some small gains, but I'm really pleased that um, many of the findings of my PhD are still relevant for body image research now. I think particularly my research did show, and we've known this before, that when adolescent girls compare themselves to media images, they do feel worse about their body image. But my research was the first to show that if they had those media literacy skills, they were protected against feeling bad about themselves. So that's something that we can continue to capitalise on and try and understand now how people can access those skills and use them in everyday life to, to not be affected by, as you say, that best self presentation, particularly on social media, that is so easy to get sucked into when you just see that constantly. Yeah. And, and also, um, it's certainly the case that media literacy continues to be a really important focus for school-based body image prevention. Um, but as you mentioned, Jessica, you know, with social media now, that's really where our focus is in trying to move traditional media literacy, which thought a bit more about advertising on telly or in magazines, to now thinking about, well, what's it like when it's all your peers on social media, your friends who are presenting their best selves and, and the focus is on appearance. So we need a bit of a, bit, a different strategy for social media than our traditional media literacy. So there's definitely still um, more work to do in that field. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, it certainly sounds like there's there's so much more that you can learn from this and you know, so, so many other research avenues that, yeah, can flow on. So, yeah, and I know as well, like with your um, recent mental health um, grant from Australian Rotary Health, that was um, that also finished quite recently. Was, was that also related to your PhD research or...? 
Yeah, yeah it, it was, Jessica, and I was really grateful to be able to continue on with research that I'd started in my PhD. So separate from the grant, we did some other work around um, media literacy being protective in adults. And then that combined with what I found in my PhD led us to um, applying for the Australian Rotary uh, Mental Health Grant Project. And that's a combination of the two because we're working with adults, but we're also working with social media. So in this project, we've um, extended the prior work into developing a three-module social media literacy intervention, and it's called Real to Real. So you mentioned the term highlight reel before, and we're very much focused on that idea about social media literacy being a highlight reel, but wanting people to be able to live their real and authentic life on social media because Social media is not going away. We don't want people to lose the beneficial aspects of being able to be connected with friends and engage in a whole range of interesting activities. But our, what our reel-to-reel um, -reel program does is, is allow people to move through the, the modules to focus on an understanding of what is real on social media and what is manipulated to just be a best self or actually just be about selling products. Um, and to try and change the way that people compare themselves with those online presentations. So either to reduce comparisons or to say, well, okay, someone's selling something, they've put a lot of time and effort into that. I don't need to compare my everyday self with um, those kind of images or feel bad about myself. Um, and then also to help people engage, I guess, more authentically with social media in a way that really reflects their values and interests, not just in this constant, um, constant seeking out of, of um, reassurance about only appearance. You know, let's broaden social media use to, to get um, some of the terrific benefits that it does offer. So we've um, yeah, been really fantastic to be able to continue this uh, focus on that that element of our research yeah and yeah as I said before it's just it's such an important yeah it's so so important to to now and what's happening today and so many people access social media so you know having these kind of interventions to to help them you know think critically about what they're seeing and um you know that that might affect them you know I think that that would be really helpful and people could get a lot of use out of it so yeah it sounds yeah like a, a really important study um I know that you're working through the results of that at the moment as well. Is is that um, something that you know might be released soon, or like maybe go towards publication? Uh, yeah, I'd love it to be released soon, but we do still have a, a fair bit of, of work to do on that. I can say, kind of in a sneak peek, that we've looked at some preliminary analyses and did find that that um, the young people who went through the program did have improved body satisfaction and also reduced depressive symptoms. So um, that was really fantastic. They were our key outcomes for the study. So we've got a sense of, of some of the findings of the study but need to, need to finish that off um, in the next few months and, and get those results out there. So I'm really keen to, to do that. Yeah, well, that sounds very exciting. And, and once those results are out, it would be great to have you back on the podcast to talk about them again, if you're happy to. <laughs> Absolutely, love to. Yeah, more than happy to talk about Real to Real and what we find. Yeah, oh, that's, that's amazing. Um, and I know, yeah, our Rotarians who, who raise 
um, funds for our research, they, they always like to hear about the outcomes that, that comes from, from the donations that they put in and, and the work that they put into fundraising. Um, I guess um, just, just one more thing, do you think maybe you could explain to our audience who are mostly Rotarians, um, the, the kind of impact research funding may have had on your career and, and why keeping these efforts going to support mental health research is so important? Yeah, absolutely. In thinking about the first point, it's been an amazing impact on my career to have support from Australian Rotary Health for my research. And I think one of the reasons, not just supporting me personally and being able to develop my career, but one of the reasons it's so important to have mental health research funded is that there's then continuity in research. I said earlier that research gains are pretty incremental, but if you're able to continue your research focus, you can build on those gains in a really meaningful way, rather than being a bit um, choppy and stop start. If you can have a continued focus on a topic, I think you're really able to strengthen what you can understand from that topic. And that's really fundamental to the research of, of, in, um, of researching mental health, but also in being able to then improve the mental health of Australians through this research. And, um, and opportunities to do really meaningful work and have that funded are not very common in the Australian context. And uh, I don't know how well Rotarians understand the place that Australian Rotary Health has in mental health research funding. It's really extremely well known and central to the funding landscape and so appreciated by researchers that we have opportunities to conduct our research. And ultimately, we want to better understand mental health and have that contribute to better interventions for uh, people all across Australia and across the world. Our researchers, um, the findings are not just limited to Australia, they have implications across the world. And um, what Australian Rotary Health does by providing the funding, providing you know, some training for early career researchers and, and nurturing their careers is really important for the next generation of research in Australia. So, uh, Rotarians do a terrific job in this space. Yeah, oh, well, it's been really great to, to have you on our podcast podcast today, Sean, and, and talking about your research and, and what you found from it. it. It sounds like it's, you know, it will have an important real world impact for, for young adolescents and, and adults. So, yeah, thank, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Jessica. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you today. Okay. Well, that was the 23rd episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lit. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Sean's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.